Welcome to Vegas Circle with Pac here, Chris. And today, joining the circle with us, we're excited to have the owner of the Jolt Coffee Company and Tiabi Coffee and Waffle, Miss Tiffany Styles. So thank you for joining the circle, Tiffany. It's great to see you. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah. on. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so first we got to ask you, so you are a UNLV graduate. How in the world do you get into the coffee shop industry, kind of the restaurant industry? Well, you know, I'll just call it recession because I graduated in 2008 and I was actually a journalism major. And then I literally, me and a couple of my um, colleagues, fellow classmates, we, you know, had internships, we had jobs lined up. And when you're fresh out of college, you're kind of like the entry level, right? So yeah, there's no room for us when the recession hit in 2008. There's no room. So a lot of us ended up in food and beverage. Um, one of my really good friends, she was a beverage manager at the Stratosphere. And then I actually, I worked at Starbucks while I was in school. And then um, I went into photography. I did weddings. And then I it wasn't really feeling it. And then I just, it was kind of like a fluke. Like, we were just like, you know what? Like, because um, at the time we were traveling a lot and we were like, Vegas just doesn't doesn't have like enough coffee culture it doesn't have like the local flair I mean there's a lot now like I mean off the top of my head one time I was like let me name all the local cafes now and there were, I could count like 30 to 40 now but back then in 2008 there was like a solid maybe less than 10 and oh, wow. so like you know that we're very popular and so we just decided, yeah, we want to do this because it was more about community. It was more about, yeah, let's just do something because we want to engage in the community and coffee is a good avenue for that. Um, and then that's actually when I opened up Tiabi in 2013. And so, and then waffles is because, I mean, everyone likes waffles. It's like an international currency. So <laughs> when officially did you open the Jolt Coffee Company? So the Jolt, we opened in 2019. So the Jolt is like my baby. It's only like two years old. And then Tiabi, I opened back in 2013. <laughs> yeah, that's big. Being able to run multiple businesses got to be huge, man. I was thinking you opened Jolt before Tiabi for some yeah. reason. I thought that was, I got those reversed. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because they're just two sides of Maryland Parkway because the Jolt is like the downtown. And then Tiabi is very near UNLV. So um, it's like I have the communities you know they both know me in different ways so i get it some people don't even know i own a coffee and waffle shop they just think i own you know the jolt where we roast and do all kinds of things so what i thought was interesting too is you guys have and i don't know if this is just recent the only kind of coffee roaster i guess you guys just connected with bellwether coffee roasters and you guys got something very unique that i wanted you to kind of share with our listeners is you know why is it so important in, in the roaster that you have you know I've, I've heard a little bit about co2 and it's just, yeah, can you kind of share, you know, why you guys did that and, and how you've implemented it in your business? Yeah, I mean, Bellwether. So this company, I've actually been following them for a couple of years um, because something that always bothered me was I love serving coffee, but, you know, I was fully aware that the CO2 emissions that come from us cultivating from the trees to the roasting to the whole process, it definitely bothered me for, you know, it's weird, but it just bothered me. I'm just like, gosh, it's like I'm serving people like, you know, CO2, you know, whatever. So I found Bellwether. And there's actually only two companies in the world that have emission-free coffee roasters. And Bellwether's one of, a, it's a U.S.-based company. So, like, I just followed them on a smaller level. And then they finally had 
a commercial roaster that was actually able to provide enough volume for, you know, a couple of cafes. So I was like, you know what, let me just kind of poke at it. And <laughs> when uh, we're all shut down for pandemic, I started calling the, uh, the makers of it and got to talk to them. And we did some cool videos. And then I didn't even realize that nobody in Nevada had this coffee roasting machine. I was like, you know what? I just want to do it because now we have zero emission coffee and we save hundreds of pounds of CO2 every month. And last month, I think we had our first coffee tree because it tells you like how many trees you saved and, you know, like what you're really doing to reduce your eco footprint and have that impact. So that was really my attraction to it is just, you know, like it's just always something I thought of, especially with um, everything happening, you know, global warming across the board. I was just like, how can I, you know, do something with my business? And like, I mean, in my head, I have this like Willy Wonka imagination of like a, like a zero emissions, like, you know, amazing, super eco coffee shop. But I'm just like, Bellwether, this is a pretty good start. And we were... <laughs> So, I mean, I was just like, this is a pretty good start. And it's a cool way to incorporate that lifestyle to our cafes. And, you know, just for lack of understanding, you know, what is like coffee roasting a normal practice? Is that something that like you'll see in every coffee shop? And is that like, what kind of, what does that entail? Is that (laughs) at a basic (laughs) level, it sounds very simple. Like I'm, you know, cooking some coffee beans, but I'm sure it's (laughs) much different than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Not all cafes roast their own beans. A lot of coffee shops that are local, they will get um, the beans from other local roasters or um, even imported from out of state. Um, So what it is, is you receive the beans at, um, you know, green beans. So at that point, you're bulk buying with like the farmers and, um, you know, or distribution companies. And then so you get the green beans, and then um, you create your own roasting profiles, because not all coffees are roasted the same. So like, if you want to have a coffee roast for just a regular drip coffee, it's roasted completely different from espresso or cold brew. They're all different. And if you really like to nerd out on like tech or geeky stuff this is like the best thing ever because that's what you do so it is different like a lot of like I said a lot of places don't roast their own coffee something that I could tell if you go to a lot of different coffee shops something is locally roasted the coffee is going to taste completely different from any other franchise kind of like big box coffee shop you know like I mean, just like the easiest comparison, Starbucks, right? Love, love them. I just was in Seattle. And I went to like the Starbucks Reserve and it was oh, just- Oh yeah, in- I've been there. That was great. <laughs> yeah, really cool experience. But the truth is um, most of the Starbucks coffee that you would receive in Las Vegas has probably been roasted a couple weeks ago or even maybe like close to maybe a month or two even. You, you really don't know. Whereas um, if you go to any of my stores, not to like post out my stores, but um, all of those all of the coffees have been degassed at like the proper time, served at the proper time. So you're getting a fresher cup of coffee. And so it's just a different experience. Yeah, yeah. So it makes a huge difference. And it's like, you know, going to a place that has their own brewery versus one that serves things out of a keg. You know, there's a very different experience to those two different things. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you know, I feel like it's one thing that we don't know enough of because I've always heard like being a local roaster, having that capability, but you never really understand what that means because you think everybody's doing that (laughs) i totally can see that because you know you come in you have your coffee you're like oh they just made it you know so you know (laughs) 
other side to that. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, I have the same feeling towards local breweries. I love them all, you know, and it's, and it's a different experience too, when you go to like a local place where they roast their own coffee, because it's just that element of, I'd say like handcrafted craftsmanship mm. um, because especially if you talk to a roaster, it's like, and you're drinking their coffee, they're going to have like a ton to say. Like if you ever come in and you start talking to one of my people who are roasting and they're just like, Oh, how's the coffee? Like, you're going to get like, like an earful of like, let me tell you about the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. You know what else I thought was interesting is, can you kind of explain kind of the misconception of like darker roast having a stronger caffeine, you know, versus a lighter roast and things along those lines. I never knew this up to like maybe two or three years ago. I, I always thought darker roast was stronger. I guess that's not not the case. Yeah. So when you roast coffee, um, you you actually in the process of roasting the beans, um, it, you lose some caffeine. So um, if you want more caffeine, I always tell people you go for the medium to the blonde or even like the lighter roast. You just lose that. Ca- caffeine chemical when you do roast so I mean some people I I just joke it's like kind of like if people say when dark coffee is really strong I'm like no you're probably just like really reacting to like the ultra bitter sweetness of whatever you're doing you know but like long term that's why you get that big coffee crash because you actually like you're it's more of a sugar crash you know Mm -hmm. so that's a big difference you're really just roasting the um, caffeine out of it that's what tripped me out. I couldn't believe that. And you're probably right. You drink in the dark. It's almost like wine in a way. You drink it the darker wines, you know, it has a bitter taste. So interesting. You're located inside the LGBTQ center, correct? Downtown Las Vegas. What made you choose to be inside the center? I just thought it was a really cool opportunity. I always wanted to, because I had my regular cafe. So I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to be in a community center. You know, like, how would that be? You know, how would it be? having um, a cafe that is, you know, becomes a part of like this like nucleus of a community. So it was just really cool. And I had this idea. Yeah, they just asked if I wanted to be in there because I shared the idea through an email like a year ago prior to opening. Yeah. So that's pretty it. Pretty much it. I was just like, just curiosity. And then it ended up turning into like a really cool thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because growing up, I was always really big about going to my local coffee shop. They had music and it was like a thing. We would hang out there for a while and every Friday or Saturday you go there before you go out. And that was kind of like part of the community. And and one thing I noticed Vegas, to your point, uh, really was lacking that, like that small town kind of coffee house feel. And it seemed like a great opportunity to bring that back to the location and, and be a part of the community, which was kind of lacking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, When I talked to people who work at the center, they actually told me that um, it was just so that there was something missing from the community center. There was something like they're just like it was so sad, you know, and they they always tell me that we kind of brought life back into it, you know, just like being there and the coffee and just the atmosphere. And, you know, it just, yeah, when you create that atmosphere, I feel like it makes people want to open up more too and really engage in community. So for yeah, sure. It's kind of the one weird thing that does that where people will go sit there by themselves and just hang out on their laptop. But you don't, most of the time, you don't even do that at restaurants. You don't go to a restaurant and work. Um, you kind of go to a coffee shop to work. It's a very weird dynamic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
For sure. Yeah. And it's become like our other place. I always joke with my brother because he works online and he does like online marketing. So I'm like, where's your office today? And it's always like a shop or, you know, somewhere. And I'll ask him for his favorite table if I'm like at a different place. (laughs) (laughs) He lives on the other side of town for me. So he ends up going to Panera Bread a lot. And I'm like, which table do I sit at if I go to his Panera Bread or something? (laughs) You guys have done well, you know, during the pandemic. What what do you think you've learned, you know, as a business owner over the last year? I definitely, I would say I definitely learned that really being there for your community pays off um, because people ultimately will support you in the end if you are constantly, you know, putting yourself out there for your community. <laughs> I joke with other business owners that I'm like, don't look at last year's numbers because you'll just want to cry. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just, there's no point. Me and the other restaurants beside me, we always, we just always joked around like, hey, are you breaking even? Are you breaking even? Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, cool that's great man it was very much an adaptability stage where it's like what are we going to do now like um I tried not to look too far into the future just look maybe a week ahead a couple weeks ahead because things were just so you know we just didn't know uh, you know but something I definitely learned is you know just keeping connected with your community I think was the most important and that there's still opportunity even when things go sour or not things go sour but when tragic things like this happen there's definitely still opportunity you know and it's just uh it's so funny because it I felt like I was getting signs of it in the beginning of the year because I'd ha- I have long conversations with a lot of my regulars and one of them is like a, a Rockefeller fan so everything is Rockefeller history yada sure. yada yada and then uh, there was this quote that we were talking about, like in January of 2020, and it was just um, where where there's trouble, there's opportunity, and sees the opportunity, and it, it kind of ties into like the Rockefeller legacy. And so it's crazy, but when the pandemic hit, that quote like stuck in my brain. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just talking to somebody about this. Like, this is the failure, this is the trouble. So where's the opportunity? Yeah, I just kind of just just kept that in my mind and kept going on. And um, a lot of my fellow restaurant owners, we just really encouraged each other, like tried to help each other. It was, it was kind of a really cool time to connect because we all, you know, we're just always engaging, always talking, like all of my neighbors, just other restaurant owners in the community. We're just really trying to support each other. So it was cool. Well, not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could. Great perspective for sure. You know, especially with everything going on, especially with your neighbors and everything too. And I and I see you guys do a lot to raise funds for the community. I know you guys just did at uh, Tiabi Coffee. You guys did a uh, basically a fundraiser for the Canine Unit, right, for Clark County Police Department. And you guys did that for International uh, Waffle Day. So I saw some of the pictures that you guys posted. It seemed to be a great event that you guys did. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was so much fun. The canines were out. It was super cool. Um, And it was just great to also talk to the unit and kind of see, um, get their insight as to what happens in the schools. And they, um, you know, I just thought it was really cool because these canines, I mean, they they sniff out drugs, guns, you name it. So uh, definitely was a great fundraiser to help them get more like pet supplies and, um, the vet visits and got to learn a lot. And then, you know, watch the whole unit eat like tons of waffles. I was, whoa, (laughs) it was a lot, but it was, it was a great time. Such a good cause. 
it's great to be able to support that. It seemed like you guys had a great event. And then uh, I saw who won too, which was awesome. Also, it looked almost like the hot dog eating contest, which would be able to do. <laughs> I got to check out you guys' waffles too, man. You guys look like you got some of the best waffles out there. Big pizzas. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's all we do. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to get it right. <laughs> yeah. Do, who creates the menu for you? Are you kind of like a, a chef by trade or how do you guys kind of create your menu? Yeah. So we, uh, a lot of people ask if I'm a chef, um, but I mean, I just, I just cook a lot. I've always cooked a lot. I came from a really big family. My style is very like American Southern because my grandma was from Louisiana. So like, I know how to cook a lot of Southern style things. And then um, a lot of it's my travels too. Like uh, we have a couple of drinks on there that are definitely from when I traveled. Like I have a honey cream latte. That one I picked up in Texas. Tiff's waffle macchiato for Tiabi is actually my snack that someone just asked me, they kept on ordering it and ordering it. So then we put it on the menu and it's like really popular. And then at the Jolt, we have a drink there called the Yeti. And the Yeti, I picked up from this Russian coffee shop in Wyoming. So I was like, oh, this is just really random, but it's good. It's like a chai. It's chai with white chocolate. So, and then, yeah, it's just a kind of an eclectic mix of traveling, meeting new people, experimenting with new things. So, Yeah. One thing I was curious about, you know, it seems like coffee is a very difficult industry to get into because it really is dominated by a certain, like you said, commercial coffee uh, companies. Have you noticed that when you first kind of started working your way into the industry that it was extremely competitive? Because I feel like it, if you have a base of customer, they tend to stick to one coffee roaster. And it's really once you have that base, you're going to be successful. But getting that base seems really challenging. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was so challenging. Everyone is comparing us to somebody else because we're like the new kid, right? I feel like I'm given little nuggets of wisdom throughout my life. And that's why I'm here. But like, um, some someone told me because when I was putting my menu together for my very first concept, um, they were just they looked at my menu. And it was this guy who worked in um, hotels at the time. I'm still really cool good friends with him. And uh, he was just like, Tiffany, you're never going to really get anywhere by trying to replicate somebody else. People, if people are going to know you, then know you for who you are. And that's the same with your business. And he's just like, so don't try and like replicate something that someone else is doing. And so I was like, so every time I do something, I'm just like, yeah, like it can't be like anybody else. I just have to kind of do it, do it my way or do it, you know, like our way. So I always joke with my employees that I actually, that they're watching me because like, like big box companies, because something like just an example, um, Starbucks has a pistachio latte for the summer season. I've had a pistachio latte for like, I don't know, five years now. Yeah. And then at the Jolt, uh, one of our most popular sandwiches is a grown-up grilled cheese. So it's like three types of cheeses, bacon, avocado, basil aioli, and then these grilled onions, right? Marinated onions. And then I walk into Zupa's. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a yeah, Zupa's. Yeah, so I walked into Zupa's a couple weeks ago, and then they said, new special, you know, grilled ciabatta bacon grilled cheese and I'm like this is exactly what I did <laughs> two years and so I go into work and I'm like they're watching me like they're watching me again yeah. <laughs> big businesses they always do that <laughs> be able to pick up what you'll be able to do and then, then buy try to buy you out Tiffany <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I believe just, it just to kind of switch subjects a little bit we always ask our, our guests 
when you're not eating at both your restaurants. What's your favorite restaurant in Las Vegas? Not including my own. Well, that's a hard question. That's a hard too, question. Too, too many good restaurants in Vegas, for sure. Yeah. yeah, there is. I mean, there's just so many. You know, I'll just tell you what I ate for breakfast. I went to. <laughs> I'll tell you where I went for breakfast because I only get this when I go there. And when I, I went to Bagel Cafe off of okay. Buffalo. Have you been there? Bagel Cafe is very good. Very yeah. good place. Yeah. Yeah. I only get the corned beef there and it's my favorite corned beef. And I've been, I've ordered corned beef from a lot of places, but there's just like my favorite. That and the Super 8 bagel with a garden schmear. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've driven by that place a hundred times and I've always made it a thought that I need to stop by and I never have. So I'm, thank you for that recommendation. I'm definitely going to go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They got so good cool. French toast. I've, I've been there multiple times. Good, great French Ooh. toast. Oh, oh, you hiding out. You know, you never share. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's a good place, man. I've been there a bunch of times, man. It's a great place. But now I got to do Tiffany's. I got to go to Tiffany's place first because I got to get the waffles. But Bagel Cafe, we haven't had anybody say that, so that's good. That's a good one to put on the list. What else are you focused on for 2021? Just because you know, we want to end on a, on a positive note, but what else is on your radar for, for this year and, and, and also in the future? Well, this year we are also opening um, another Tiabi location. Um, so that's going to be on and Tropicana. Um, it's still under construction, but hopefully I'll get it done in the next couple weeks. And so that's kind of coming up. And then on my radar for 2021. So I actually also have another pop-up concept called Condo. You know that being a UNLV alumni, they asked me to also host um, hospitality college interns. So I've had several, um, but they all end up being like really cool friends. But one of them, his name's Kevin. He always he always comes back. And during pandemic, we were messing around with these sandwiches. Um, and what they are is they're um, Japanese style katsu sandwiches. And they're like smoked, marinated. And then they're put in these like little boxes, very Japanese cuts and styles. So I'm probably going to be doing doing more stuff with condo right now we're at the Vegas test kitchen so if you guys want to come over there and try us out you can and then I mean I really don't know I really just want to honestly focus on also um getting some more roasts down with our bellwether and then that's pretty much my year I have the tendency to overload myself so I only try and do like three things at a time so <laughs> yeah I can, you can see that when you you passively mention opening up a new restaurant and uh, having a pop-up kitchen those seem like uh, years but that's just yeah. a, a casual mention yeah. <laughs> you are very successful with i know running all these businesses one last question i got for you too is what would be an advice that you would give you know an up-and-coming business owner or somebody that's thinking about you know opening up a business now and you're done three or four businesses you know that you're running at once what nugget would you give them so I get asked this question a lot, but my answer isn't really inspiring. <laughs> okay. Oh, I like the real. Yeah, for sure. This is, this is my honest God. If you don't know bookkeeping, you need to know bookkeeping because bookkeeping and accounting are like the backbone of your business. A lot of the moves that I make are based off of financial percentages. And um, I, when I started off with the business, that was the most foreign thing to me. Um, I actually spent a year studying it before I really like got a grasp of it. And this is while running a business. So it's a little scary when you don't, when you're running things blind, especially with something like my business. So restaurants just have so many different components. There's like, you know, when you look at like a restaurant's 
like inventory and buy, you're talking like hundreds of transactions a month. So like, you know, it's just so many moving parts. So if you're trying to do um, something that's, that involves a lot of moving parts, you need to know um, bookkeeping. And plus for your financial nourishment, you know, personally, not just business, it's always definitely good to know, but that's my, that's my honest to God answer. Um, you know, the other, if you want an inspirational answer, it's going to be to um, focus on the bigger picture always, um, because a lot of young business owners, you know, they'll look at one week, one day and be like, oh, my God, we didn't sell anything. We didn't, you know, do this. But it's like you have to kind of gauge your progress. So don't really look so much like um, a week's worth of progress or sometimes even a month's worth of progress. It's really worth it to look at like a quarter or a year and not sure. just um, you know, and definitely have, give yourself time to, to grow in those areas. So that's my, yeah. That's a great answer. <laughs> that's fantastic that's advice. Yeah. That's yeah. One of the best advice you can give on there, return on investment and in that it, in it, it's a marathon. You got to take your time, but you're right. Accounting and basic, basic accounting tips, 100%. While you've been successful since 2013, where can people reach you at? And what are your social handles for personal and, and for your businesses? Personally, I am Tiabi Tiff on Instagram. You can also just find me on Facebook. You can message me anytime. You can also look at Tiabi. Tiabi is I want Tiabi. That's Tiabi's handle. And the Jolt is the Jolt Coffee Co. Um, so if you DM or message us anywhere there, I'm going to see it eventually. You know, if I don't get back to it right away. Um, so you could definitely find me there or you can, you know, follow me on Instagram. My Instagram's more of like food and travel. We appreciate you hanging out with us, Tiffany. Yeah. And guys, for our listeners, definitely support Tiffany's businesses. And then, well, Tiffany, you gave great advice and we appreciate you. And, and uh, guys, for our listeners, definitely support her. And for us, you know, definitely subscribe. We're on all the platforms, iHeart to, to Apple. And, and you can definitely check us out at thebreakingcircle.com. So appreciate you guys. And Tiffany, thanks a lot. Thank you, Tiffany. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys.